This is episode 54 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today I have power couple Jen and Mike Richter on the show to talk about their experience and how they've gotten themselves to 15 doors on 11 properties so far. They got into the game with new construction early on and they have since started doing duplex conversions. They are regular speakers at the local uh, real estate meetups and they've got a great reputation in the community. So I was honored to have them on the show. In this episode, we got right into the weeds about the nuts and bolts of how to manage a real estate business using general contractors, delegating, and also still having control in your business. It's really important to find a balance, and Jen and Mike seem to have found it. They're seasoned real estate investors at this point, and I know that you're going to learn a lot from listening to them. Some quick housekeeping before we get into it. Of course, we've got the Greater Hamilton REI meetup coming up on February 27th, 7 p.m. here in Berkeley. Burlington. So if you are not already in our private group, the link to that group is in the show notes for this episode. If you're having any trouble at all, please just reach out to me at the Andrew Hines on Instagram or Facebook. And my last name is spelled H-I-N-E-S. And I'll be happy to send you the link from there if needed. So without further ado, please enjoy episode 54 with Jen and Mike Richter. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I have a real estate power couple on the show today, uh, coming in at uh, 7.0 on the real estate investing Richter scale. Uh, <laughs> Jen and Mike Richter, I'm sorry, I had to do that, had to do that. Have you heard that before? Once or twice, uh, but we'll laugh like we've never heard it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Andrew, not even original. So funny. Not so even original. original. Um, I tried. Sorry. Um, okay. No, it's a fantastic wrestler name. Maybe a wrestler couple. That's a second career one day. Duly noted. <laughs> we all need a side hustle, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So uh, no further ado. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to be here. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. I am looking forward to today's interview. Um, a little inside note here. Uh, Mike was reaching out to me this morning saying, I've got all these gold nuggets I want to talk about before the podcast. <laughs> started giving them to me i'm like stop we're gonna do it on the podcast so this will all be surprising and authentic um you guys are filled with knowledge you guys are regular speakers at the right club and um have a fantastic reputation um, i've heard you speak once or twice i know you're into you were originally into pre-construction and then mike we we spoke at uh at the uh well, we met up one night actually at uh, like Jack Astor's and we were talking mm -hmm. about some stuff you're into now. So um, why don't you tell me the story? Uh, tell me how it started. Tell me about your family and what you guys are doing now as real estate investors. How we kind of got started into real estate. Uh, Mike actually was the driving force behind it because I actually hated real estate. I come from a very traditional background of mutual funds, stocks, and you just don't even think about real estate because it's too risky. Like my mother's convinced we're going to end up on a street in tents at this point. So we actually rented out Mike's first house he lived in on his own. And we had our first daughter and you sit down, you do the traditional meeting with the bank for the uh, RESPs and they had left. And I was kind of joking with Mike. I'm like, wow, doesn't our rental property give us way better returns than this? And we were like, we can't buy a three month old baby a house. Ha 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 ha. And we did. And then we actually had another daughter 18 months later. So we, of course, can't play favoritism. So we had to buy her house as well. And it kind of started very slowly. I think very organically. It was just kind of like, well, we'll just do one more. 
okay, maybe it's not as bad as the media makes it out to be. Okay, we'll just do one more. And it kind of grew into this business, apparently. Mm -hmm. So when was the first one? Like what year approximately? So that was back. That was that was my first primary residence. And that was back in 2013. And that's 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 just after that's when we first started renting that out. And, you know, at the time, I really didn't know anything about rental properties. I'd taken one of those weekend crash courses and I had just just enough knowledge just to get me confident enough to, to make that leap into doing it. But I remember standing there the first night when we were about to hand over the keys to the tenants and the anxiety I was feeling because I'm like, there's so many what ifs and what could happen and what's going to what's going to become of this. And what are what are my what are my liabilities that I, I really it was a really big learning curve for me to get past. But you know what? I did it. And that turned out to be the best decision we made, I think, to this day to keep that property. So it was your primary residence, which you then used as a rental? That we used as a rental. We changed okay. the use to a rental property. Okay, awesome. And so when did that become a rental? Like 2015 or? Well, well, no, when I actually, when I, when I first purchased that property, that was back in 2007. So that was, oh, I okay. owned that. It was pre-construction. It was a year and a half closing. I closed on there, lived in there for a few years. Then I met Jen, Jen came along and she's like, Hey, you know what? I want to, I want to get out of this. I want to find, you know, our, our, our own property that we could raise kids, raise a family in. And I kind of had to, I'll be honest, I had to twist Jen's arm at the time. I'm not living twist. in a bachelor pad. Sorry guys. <laughs> <laughs> I had to twist your arm to, con- to convince her that it would, it would be a good idea to make that a rental, even though I didn't have all the knowledge that I do now to be well equipped to do that. But what's, what's really interesting about that property is that we call that the golden goose property because the second property that Jen was talking about doing that we bought for our first daughter is we bought that with no money down. So we basically leveraged uh, $100,000 out of out of my first rental property and used that because we didn't have the funds at the time. We went to the builder, gave them the deposit, and we, we financed that property 100% while we used 80% of the bank's money. And then that 20%, the debt portion that we put down, was all from my first property. And what happened is the renters covered that loan they covered the loan for our second property. So there's no money out of our own pockets. But that was a bit of a struggle to get Jen on board to, to do that with me. But He's now, been really nice. It was way more than a struggle. <laughs> it was, it was a struggle. diplomatic. <laughs> so, so we basically have infinity returns on that, on that second property. And then we did the same thing for the third property yeah. because we still didn't have enough money, but we didn't use that as an excuse not to go forward. Great, great concept. I love that. So, and, and I rarely dig into it said like that. So I like, I like that you brought it up that way. You, you have, you have nothing into the deal. You just, you just made a smart decision, borrowed the bank's money, mm-hmm. took what the market gave you as free appreciation and used that money to, to help grow the next step. Um, we did. Fantastic uh, way of getting started. So you guys sort of had a little bit of momentum getting started because you'd owned that property since 2007. Lots of equity there probably allowed you to do several pre-construction deals. Would that be a, a fair statement? We did, I think, about two, two and a half. And you know what? Now, six years later, it's, it's almost ready. It's come to fruition again where we can pull more equity from that property to do it again because the rents have skyrocketed since since we turned it into a rental property and also the mortgage has been getting paid down like crazy because of the low interest rates we locked it in at and also the market's really appreciated because of the fundamentals in the area so now it's we have the the eligibility to pull more capital from that if we need to and still cash flow so what was the year that you bought that uh, first pre-construction well not the, not your home the the first one that outside of your home that was 20 2014 it closed 2014 it closed in 2014 i think uh, that I was, was super pregnant yeah yeah so we bought that there's about a six month closing we bought yeah, that in january and it closed there's a six month turnaround on that one yeah 
That okay. was probably the fastest turnaround close we've ever had. Usually it's a year, year and yeah. a half. I was about to say, that's really so quick. So six it, months, they were clearing them out really fast. That's very rare with new builds. So was it already sort of built or partially built and then they sold it at that point? Yeah. Okay, so they were late in the sales process at that point. Um, that's kind of nice to be able to get it so quick, but usually you get the bigger discount if you buy uh, buy earlier on, wouldn't you say? I would say so, right? Because, I mean, you're putting up a bit of risk too. Like when we when we bought our properties, it's kind of like the added value portion was that we're buying a piece of land or buying a piece of dirt. Now, we bought from very reputable builders in the past, but there's some builders that bankrupt in that time. There is a certain amount of risk involved because when you put money down, you don't necessarily know where the market's going to be a year, year and a half. There's many different things that can influence what happens during that construction process. Right. Some builders have, have closed shops. Some, they delay you several years. Uh, there's, there's many things that could happen, but also when you take on a certain level of risk and you buy it, you're also buying it at the maximum discount sometimes, depending on what the market value is at the time of the purchase. Okay. So Jen, you were saying that you weren't really on board with real estate investing to start. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Why weren't you on board? Where was your mindset at with that? Like I was saying, um, I come from a very different investment background. I'd always literally from the age of three have done stocks, mutual funds. Um, Everybody in my family has always done that. Nobody has ever done real estate. In our family, it was very, very risky to even consider it. Um, And thus, I knew nothing about this concept. So when Michael had come home and he was very excited about this real estate concept, Mike is very emotional and very excitable person in general, especially when he talks about real estate. So when he had come home, instead of coming home and being like, hey, Jen, here are the numbers, please know notice how mortgage is less than rent. Here's some facts about it. Here's all the numbers. Here's a perform of something. He just ran into the house and went, we need to buy a property. We're going to go to Mattermy and buy one right now. And I was like, we are, what? No, no, we're not. And he was just so excitable about this idea, but he literally had no concept of how to talk to, I'd say, we say business Jen. Cause like as spouse, he knows how to communicate with mm-hmm. wife Jen amazingly. However, he did not know who business Jen was and didn't know what business Jen needed to be able to be convinced of something or to agree to a project. I needed charts. I needed black and white. I needed a lot of other things and just pure emotion of it's going to be fine. It's going to work out. Why are you questioning me? Why do you need to know about leases and tribunals? And it's all fine. Just sign the paperwork. So eventually when Mike had kind of calmed down a little bit and realized he was getting nowhere, if actually anything, he was probably regressing because I even dug my heels in even more because I am stubborn like that. Um, He actually started bringing me out to different places. So when he went to sit down with a mortgage broker, I'd go sit down too. And he's like, I obviously can't explain this well. Listen to the mortgage broker. Or if we went out to the Mattamy Sales Center, he's like, here's the layout, here's the numbers. Or if we were having conversations with the insurance company, he's like, great, ask them all your questions. Let's now sit down and run your numbers because now I'm hearing them from credible sources. As much as Mike has a construction background. He didn't have an investor background at that time. So I was not taking what he said very seriously. So when he started getting all the professionals involved and I was like, wow, he's actually thought about this or he's made the right contacts in the field to make this successful. Because like we said, we knew nothing about it. I Googled a lot of answers, which was terrifying. Don't do that. Um, Join a network. Uh, So our once he started bringing those kind of people in and I was realizing, hey, there's actually a bit more of a business plan amongst all of the excitement and passion, I was like, okay, maybe this is not so bad. So it definitely took a little bit. I would not say this happened in overnight or six months. I'd say this was probably a good 
two years at least mm-hmm. kind of process of me going, okay, maybe it's not so bad. Because like I said, I, like a newbie, I was very much under the impression of the media and those 5 a.m. toilet calls and those kind of things. Yeah. And uh, hey, I, I've definitely heard those things too. Mm-hmm. That was that was what I had heard getting started. I think the thing that works really well with my wife is she comes from a real estate investor family. Mm-hmm. So I was like wanting that. It was like this beautiful thing made in heaven that that we would be on board uh, together. The only thing I'll say is with her, she, she sees it as work because she grew up with it. So it's not like this thing of passion for her. It's like, that sounds like work. I don't want to talk about excitement. that at home. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about that when we're at home. Oh, no, no. But, I yeah. feel the same way. We have rules in our household. After 1030 at night, you're not allowed to talk about real estate no real unless estate there's talks. like a flood or there's something that I really need to know the next day. So, well, we have rules. Well, I, I love it. And I'm, I'm passionate about it. So I can talk. I love talking about real estate, not so much about the, the bricks and mortar, but because of what it's done for our lives at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's definitely a passion. But the mistake I made, like in the beginning, when I was talking to Jen is that I was speaking in a language that that I could refer to. And I didn't really know very many people at the time who were invested in real estate. I had a few people sort of helping me and guiding me just enough. And then a few professionals come on board. But I was speaking a language and speaking about values that that intrigued me. And I was speaking about kind of like my why and what it would do for me. But I wasn't necessarily thinking about how it reflected on Jen and how Jen would relate to buying an investment property and making passive income and building that equity up far more than it would with traditional investments. So I'd come in, I'd be excited. And, you know, I had all the right reasons to do it. The only problem is, is I wouldn't, I wasn't reflecting on how Jen was seeing it through her eyes and the language. She needed to see charts and graphs and numbers, a lot more left brain. I was a lot more right brained at the time, because I'll be honest, when I started, I didn't know how to put together a performa, right? I didn't, I didn't understand how to make charts and graphs. And I didn't understand the long term outcome of what real estate could do and the mortgage pay down all the wonderful things it brought. So I had this vision in my mind, but I just wasn't able to to transfer that to Jen. And that caused a lot of friction in our relationship, a lot of frustration. Well, it was all him, him. He's like, I get to quit my job. I get yeah. to have freedom to do this. And I was kind of like, oh, good for you and and how does this benefit me and it kind of took us a little bit to kind of realize that especially in real estate it's not all about me 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 at the end of the day we're finding that this is a huge huge team that you need to be involved and everybody needs to help everybody and at the end of the day it's a huge pie and everybody can definitely have a piece of it and i think when we become really focused on ourselves and how we are getting ourselves Mm -hmm. forward i think that's when your business completely falls apart it's it's easy to right it's easy to and jen jen like jen's my ally in this like we both complement each other where, where we're weaker we both bring strengths to the table we both you know like if i've had a bad day like there's there's a lot of days when you know things don't go as planned or you know you, you get bad news and i jen emotionally morally i mean jen jen is a big supporter of me and and i support her too so together we've been able to get stronger as a couple and we still have our struggles it's still not easy but we've been able to to, to leverage each other and that, that's been incredible. And I realize now for Jen, it wasn't so much about the number of doors or the amount of money, but it was, it was, and, and now that's where I'm at too, but it was the quality of life. It's time. I mean, we've got a three-year-old and a five-year-old daughter. We get to spend so much time with them. We've been able to buy our time back. We've been able to travel. We've been able to, to take them to school and spend quality time. That's more powerful than any amount of doors or ROI that I can imagine because we get to experience that now that we couldn't before. And if I had been able to share that vision, maybe from the beginning, I was like, where was that speech seven yeah. years ago? <laughs> so that's why when we're talking to couples, we love yeah. talking to couples. We don't like just talking to one spouse or the other. We like talking to both people because the biggest thing people come to us and then they go home and they're like, 
my partner doesn't want anything to do with this. And it's like, we've been there. We've, we've been in your shoes. So that's, that's something we, we can help people with now. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, this is relevant to me because although we're on the same page with with real estate and that we think it's like there's no resistance, real estate is excellent. We both we both understand that. But the emotional connection of of just what it can do for her life, she doesn't respond to the same things that I respond to. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up in a family that didn't have much like we don't get me wrong. We were doing just fine. But my parents did struggle with money. They they didn't have enough. There was the constant fights at the dinner table, not fights, but arguments where I would hear it. And they're like, oh, we don't have money for that. And it made me uncomfortable as a kid. And that really resonated with me. So real estate was was one of those things that I saw in my life as being something that would, would forever change the story. It would never be the same because I was choosing to go down this road. Uh, but yeah, of course, if I'm talking to my wife, Jordan, about that, um, she can't relate to that because that wasn't the way she was brought up. That wasn't mm-hmm. a problem, right? Her mom had already figured real estate out and it was good. So um, <clears throat> I think where I uh, have a little more luck is when I talk about, oh, well, travel, we could travel everywhere. Um, and, and, you know, while I, I definitely get that she's into those ideas, I think she thinks, well, yeah, right. How much real estate would we have to have before we could do that before, mm-hmm. you know, before that would work. So, so there's always those, those challenges in communication. But one of the things that, that, um, you both really pointed out there is that sales is about listening and, and hearing what the other person needs to feel convinced, you know, what is it that that person needs? And, uh, sometimes when you're really close to a person, it's hard to be objective about that, right? Like, Oh, yeah, because like at the end of the day, we're spouses first. And we always have to remember that we're also business partners. And that takes a very conscious effort to be able to step out of the spousal roles and be like, okay, now we're business partners. Mm -hmm. Would I talk to a business partner like this? Would I do work like this for a business partner? And so that definitely takes a little bit of a mind switch for sure. Okay, so you're you're the numbers one originally. 100%. What was uh, like, did you go to to school for that? What what type of uh, work were you in? So actually, I have a master's in conservation and wildlife education and a degree in sustainable environmental education. And my undergrad was in primatology. So all of that equals I get to teach people about monkeys is actually what it equals out to. So I did about five years uh, work in Africa, raising orphan baboons and working a little bit with um, the large cats like the lions, cheetahs, uh, leopards. Yeah, so absolutely nothing to do with real estate whatsoever. But it's critical thinking. Yeah, I was going to say, well, once you learn to speak to monkeys, it's really no different than other investors, right, guys? <laughs> True. I mean, hey, if you can communicate at the most basic levels, I think that that's really what it all comes down to. It does help, actually, sometimes. Body language, eye contact. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's just communication, whatever the species. Right. Yeah. Now, obviously, to get through all that school, you got to be you got to be details oriented. You got very much you have so. To be. So, yeah. so that makes sense. Uh, Mike, tell me about your background. So my, my background, I, I grew up in the trades. I mean, I <clears throat> the last thing I wanted to do is, is really sit behind the desk. I never I never really desired a nine to five job. Uh, I was always raised that you had to you had to give time to make money. You had to put in the time, you had to put in the overtime and basically exchange hard work for a return. And that's just the way I was growing up. So my idea to make more money before we started real estate was, was work longer, work harder and just save for retirement, invest in stock and mutual fund. That's all I knew. So for me, it was a big mindset shift. I grew up doing HVAC work, sheet metal work more specifically. 
I learned that a lot of construction experience. That's where my, my experience was working with trades, working in project management, you know, running big jobs. I, I got a lot of, you know, the, a lot of the boots on the ground was, came from that. A lot of understanding. I'm able to relate a lot of the experience from that to our building projects, that end of it. Jen takes care of more of the behind the scenes, the, the back end work, which, which makes it beautiful. But that's, that's kind of where I came from, sort of, sort of the trades background. I knew that, you know what, I wasn't going to experience the lifestyle I wanted. I wasn't going to be, be able to be of, of value to more people if I'm always just kind of working with my hands and working, working on big projects. I wanted to, you know, take that and think bigger and apply that to something bigger and actually the more creative side of me and create bigger projects and do bigger and greater things and challenge ourselves and create passive income streams and work with partners. I always had that desire. But up until owning real estate, I didn't really understand how to how to get there. There's always that sort of entrepreneurial itch that that said, you know what, there's there's more for you. There's a bigger picture. It's just kind of finding that pathway that we've we've now now we're on that journey, right? Now we've we've found out what we need and we found out where we're going. Well, it's like it's, when it's you more get exciting. stuck in exchanging time for money, it's just like an advanced form of slavery, re- yeah. realistically. We all want to break free of that. We, we get stuck in that. And there's always that voice saying, you know what? It's so convenient just to, to have that that weekly paycheck. It's so easy to get stuck it's in that rut. It, it is comfortable. You get paid every week. And, and in real estate, you know, when you're doing big projects, it's it's like we call it big paydays mm-hmm. with long d- delays. And I mean, it's extremely gratifying when you do get those checks. You do get those cash out refis. You do sell a property and profit. But it, ta- it takes it takes a bigger it. yeah it takes a yep. bigger vision. But but I didn't. It's so easy to get stuck in a day job when you don't. When you don't see what the other side offers, when you don't see that, you know what, creating an asset, Robert Kiyosaki talks about this in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, now we have assets paying us money. We have assets appreciating that we now control. And that has been able to get us so much further than just doing the nine to five, doing the day job, putting time away, working overtime. And I realized my life is going by, I'm losing time. And when our kids came along, I realized I'm never going to be able to spend time with them and live the lifestyle and have them see me every day. When they if, actually want to spend time yeah, with if us. I, if yeah, if I'm just changing time for money. So that was kind of one of the bigger motivators too for me to get out of the rat race and, and continue doing this. So your kids with the catalyst, like the first one came along and, and that was like, okay, we're doing something different now? 100% for me. That was a huge sure. motivator yeah. for me because you don't realize how much you love your kids. You don't realize how how big they get and how quickly they grow. And if, if there is one thing I'd look back on, it's, it's like, you know what, I, I do wish I had more time when they're, when they were young, when they were little, I mean, there's still three and five now I do, but that's powerful. That's precious time that we have that we're very grateful that real estate has allowed us to buy us that time back to spend time. Are you full-time real estate? Both of you? I know, I know you, you mentioned before we got on camera that you're stay at home mom. Yeah. So it's, I always get confused when people are like, what do you do for a living? I'm like, oh, everything realistically. Um, so Technically, yes, I was a stay-at-home mom, so I had both girls with me home full-time. So it was definitely a balance of having the kids home while also trying to run the other half of double E properties. So yeah, there is definitely days where you lock yourself in the bathroom and you're trying to call the mortgage broker and the kids are like playing outside or you're doing a podcast and the kids are painting your nails on it and you're trying to keep them out of the screen. So it's it was definitely a struggle. Uh, we try to involve our kids as much as possible. So anytime we went to design centers or Home Depot, we brought the kids with us. We'd bring them to bank meetings. They would make their own little business cards and they would try to hand them out and stuff like that. So um, we figured if anything, if we involve them, it's easier for us to still run the business, but also what they're learning just by literally being hands-on in the business as much as they're super small, It we know in the long term is going to be really beneficial for them. Because especially we don't want to be like, oh, 
when you graduate here, here's money for university. You've not done a single thing to earn that penny. I want to know that each girl knows they have a house. They know they're responsible for the house. So some days we've had to like move mulch from the driveway to the backyard and they get their little shovels and buckets out and they move the mulch or they pick out some of the finishings, really ugly finishings, but <laughs> they try to help. So it's, it's definitely a struggle. But now that as of this January, they're in school full time and it's kind of like, oh my gosh, I have all this time now. And it's like the retired person who's like, I have so much free time. I've never been so busy in my entire life now. So, but it's been, it's nice because now I can do kind of double E, um, really committed to, like I was saying, a lot of the back office, trying to put new systems into place, trying to reorganize a lot of things. I love files. I love organization. I love color coding. Like that's my thing. So I kind of have the time. <laughs> I'm like, Excel files make me excited. I'm like, look how beautiful this Excel chart is. Why are you not excited? And then, and then for me, I'm down, I'm down to just very, very part-time. Now I work maybe two or three days a week. I've, I've had the ability to scale back because of the financial position that we're in now. We, we can do that. The reason, the reason why, I, I mean, I still keep my job, I'll be honest, is, is to qualify. And we qualify for, for one or two mortgages a year based on my, my income coming in. So it's just enough just to, just to have qualifying power. And then it also does give the cash flow that we need. I mean, we've got two kids. We have a family of a lifestyle. It does give us the, the cash flow that our portfolio normally doesn't to allow us to survive. And that's, that's where we're at right now. But I did scale back because I do see the advantage. And this was, this was a difficult mind frame for me to get past. It's like I said, with the, the convenience of a paycheck, especially the security and have a family, I did struggle with getting past and releasing that. But then I did realize on the, and we'll talk more about it. When we started doing conversions, it was very time consuming. And I said, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to invest time into learning everything about the construction process and about this process and growing growing our business and finding more deals. I'm going to really invest in that. So that allowed me, that gave me the ability to scale back because I saw the value, even though it was delayed of pouring that into the business, that was more powerful than just going to work every day and getting, getting a paycheck. So they both offer two different, a, a job and, but it's frustrating to watch. Too. Like Mike would spend hours and hours on the road for another company, making another company rich, mm-hmm. bringing more business to another company. And at the end of the day, I'm like, why aren't you doing that for our own business? Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to spend four hours on the road, do it for our company. If you're going to spend all these hours doing trades, why aren't you doing it for our company? Like, at the end of the day, why are we making all these other businesses rich? We are. And I'm at the verge of, yeah. of like, I'm almost there. I'm right at that final stretch where I'm going to jump in. You know, we've got the equity. We've got the ability to do this. I'm going to, it'll be in the you next year. You've got a wife who keeps yelling <laughs> exactly. you, quit your we're, job. We're going <laughs> to jump into this full time, right? Yeah. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. You're in HVAC. That's a pretty educational uh, position for somebody who wants to get into real estate investing, especially somebody who wants to do some renovations. Uh, you must have seen tons of things in your travels being in HVAC, or were you just doing retail work for end homeowners uh, replacing? Well, no, what I was doing, I was doing new construction. So, so you so you were in the biz anyway then? Yeah. So, so I was in the business. So for us, it was a natural progression to, to get into new build construction. I, I knew the whole process and I knew it from, from ground up. I knew the whole construction process. So and useful. Then, yeah. And then when we started doing conversions, it gave me enough, enough peace of mind because I knew how to communicate with the trades. I used a lot of guys that... I was always building relationships all along with with tradespeople, with builders, with with developers. 
and it, for me, it was a natural progression. I didn't have to find and, and recreate a whole team from scratch. I knew about the right people to, to find, to bring onto the team, to start these construction projects. So having those relationships was valuable too. And yeah. knowing where to pull these guys from, knowing their work ethic, having quality. trust in them. Yeah, yep. the quality in their work. Oh, yeah. able, we all know what it's like to be, have a be, good trade. Being able to gold. speak the language. Yeah, like that That was, that was it, it came, there were still a lot of struggles, but it came more or less natural to me because I sort of knew what the outcome was going to be. So it did go hand in it's hand. It's like taking the new build process, but we just decided we're going to be the builders now instead. And that's literally what it is. Because at the end of the day, when you're doing legal secondary suite conversions, everything's brand new. It's still a building process. It's all kind of the same. So at the end of the day, when we were kind of talking about switching strategies, we were like, wait, this sounds like pretty much exactly what we were doing with the new builds, except yeah. we're the builder. So we have more control mm -hmm. and I love control. So I was like, I like it. Oh man, you're speaking my language. <laughs> so, so uh, I always, I had Rav on this show. I don't know if you heard the interview, but Rav and I, I, I told him, like I would always quote him. He always said, knowledge mitigates risk. I'm like, Rav, but knowledge and control mitigate risk. Oh, that's yeah. true. And, yes, uh, yes, that's true. It's, it's, a, it's a big one. And I say that anytime I speak to anyone because um, I've gone through, I'm not gonna go through my whole story, but I've gone through phases of thinking hands-off really existed when it didn't um and uh you know learning the lesson the hard way so the fact that you came from in the trades is huge um i i'm a big believer in like use what you got so i started in the mortgage business as a way to learn i'm like i need to get my foot in the door somehow did not think that the work would be thrilling did not think i would love it uh, and i didn't but i got to talk to real investors on a daily basis people who are flipping houses back when i was like 20 you know, 23, 24, um, you know, to me at the time, that was huge. That was the first, you know, insight into the industry I ever had. Um, and how much I understand about the process because of going through that uh, was huge. Knew nothing about renovations. So when I got into that, I decided, okay, I'm going to be my own general contractor. And, um, uh, Slept on site, hired my own people, made every mistake in the book. But You're I was, not allowed to sleep on site. Yeah. <laughs> don't get any ideas. Yeah. No, no, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> don't do that anymore. No, not at all. So it's, you know, that that was a time and in, 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 a, in a place. But uh, yeah, long winded way of saying that, you know, that's that's a fantastic edge that you had getting in. And it probably gives you a lot of confidence proceeding. It does. Yeah. Question for you. So what's your portfolio right now? You have X number of new construction, X number of conversions. Uh, run me through it. Yeah, right now in Milton. So we've got, let's see, we had four, four properties in Milton. Those are our, our new build properties. We had five. We sold one a year ago to open up more capital for, for our Hamilton projects. So we have, we have four in Milton. We have two new builds in Guelph. We have a rent to own in Barrie. And then we have four conversion projects in, in Hamilton right now. And how many of those those conversions are are uh, done? We're on the last one, so three of them are completed. Yeah. The last one right now, uh, as of today, I think it's the final paint is going up, a couple of plumbing fixtures, and that's mm -hmm. that's it. And then rent it out. So yeah, yeah. and then the next week it's going to be completely done. We'll have the cleaners through there and the photographers, and we're going to have that rented out. Okay, so are those conversions you said they're all in Hamilton? Yes, on the they Ham are. Hamilton Mountain. Yeah. On the Hamilton Mountain. Okay, so the classic 1,200 square foot, 1,100 square foot bungalow, convert the basement. Just slowly under, yeah. Well, yeah, I'd say around 1,000. Around 1,000? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so those ones, I mean, let's let's just talk rough numbers on a couple of these. So when it comes to conversions, what, what do your numbers look like? So what are you buying it for? What are you putting in? Um, why don't we start with that, like a recent one? Okay, so the most recent one where we where we fully tenanted, we put tenants in there. Now we're getting rental income. We did the cash out refinance. We purchased that one for four hundred and twenty seven thousand. 
or 27 and then so, your reno and carrying costs to get it to ready to rent what would that yeah, so cost the renovation you? was a hundred thousand dollars for that we used that budget including carrying no the the no the the carrying was about sixteen thousand dollars okay so we'll say we'll project. call it 160 yeah the hundreds everything like all your permit fees all the drawings everything Okay, so so 427 purchase plus reno and carrying and all that stuff, 116 mm-hmm. on top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so your subtotal there of what you're in for up to the point of being able to rent it out was 543,000. At that time, what did you figure it was worth? So at that time, when we ran the numbers, we ran the ARV, the after, the after, uh, the, sorry, the after, the after repair value. Mm-hmm. We ran that at, at 580,000 okay. based on comps at that time. But... But when we got it appraised, the market did go up. We did, I mean, part of that was the market rising, but we also knew that we were going to force appreciation yeah. in that property. But we we did the ARV, the appraiser came in, the appraisal came in at 613,000. 613, okay. It's $33,000 more than we had we had used. Love those pleasant did. surprises. <laughs> yes. I mean, you try to be conservative at the time. The markets do change. We don't like to, we don't like to use speculation. We don't like to yep. say, well, the market goes up four or five percent. I like to use it at the time. And you know what? If the market is better, it's great. That, Take advantage that's of it. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if it's the same, if it's gone down a little bit, there's still there's still some meat on the bone. To me, investing is always fundamentals. Just because Toronto's been going up 10, 15, 20 percent a year, depending on where you, where you're looking, doesn't mean it's going to do that next year. And if all your fundamentals suck, but you're just banking on appreciation. Well, yeah, most people are getting lucky with that until they're not. No, the numbers have to work at the time at the time we close on it and anything else. Great. Right. But there's still margin in that. So if it moves in any direction, we're still safe. Right. It's still cash flow. We can still carry the project. So did you get 80 percent of of the 613? We, we, yeah, yes, we did get 80 percent. OK, you're you know, you're around 10 properties now. Right. Is that is that correct? But that's that's we have 15 ele- well, doors. Ele- 11 properties, 11 properties, 15 doors. Oh, good. You make so, me do math. So the banks are probably starting to become a little more challenging at this point. Oh, they love when you sit down. You're like, what do you do? I'm like, stay at home, mom. They're like, what do you do? Self-employed. And they're like, yeah. how many properties do you have? Super fun conversation. It, it, it's always the challenge. And you know what? When I started, this is the mistake I made. My, I, I call around different banks. And the first thing I said is after I introduced myself, as I used to say, what's, what's your five-year fixed uh, mortgage rate? Uh, that that was a mistake because I was getting into projects that didn't allow me to scale, you know, and the, and the banks have limits. The banks are typically limiting us at five properties. We've learned a lot since then about the corporate structure and different financing options using joint venture partners that allowed us to really scale a lot further and, and move past oh, okay. our limitations. Yeah. So you have some grow. partners that have helped you uh, qualification stand, standpoint. So they're on the mortgage and you're you're able to uh, to grow that way. Yes, yes, they are. Right. So that that allowed us to scale. Three of our projects are with joint venture capital partners. So they basically what that means is they're they're, they're carrying the title of the property and they're yeah. also putting up the closing costs carrying costs and renovation costs that's one way of structuring so is it. that that's the current model now with these uh these conversions to jv them that, that that's the current model that we're doing we still did one on our own we're we're going through a refinancing process right now in some of our older properties that have a lot of cash flow coming out and we're still going to do it with our, our own money because we love the numbers we've opened it up for people to partner with us and allow uh, right. yeah not like you said not it. everybody yeah. wants to get their hands everybody dirty everybody it. enjoys their full-time job so if that's what's making you happy then continue what makes you happy but at the end of the day we can provide something that allows you to free up more time to spend with your family or if you have dreams and wants that you're unachieving and you're not being very authentic to yourself and we have an opportunity to be able to help you live exactly how you want to live your life then we find the legal secondary suite conversions is a 
is a pretty good means of doing so. Yeah, we were finding, I mean, yeah. deals and we can't, we didn't have the capacity to close yeah. them all by ourselves. So, you know, we had, we had somebody who is, who reached out to us, who was interested, we had a relationship with at the time. And they basically, we both brought different values to the table and together we were able to combine our experience and, and, and do these projects, right? Fantastic. Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great win-win and it's an obvious one, right? I mean, you're, you guys are bringing the expertise to the table. I love the idea of owning a property that was renovated by the person that continues to own it. Be Like me, um, most of my portfolio was renovated by me and the ones that weren't renovated by, renovated by me are the biggest problems to me. Uh, so, you know, it's just me knowing what was done, me knowing what's there, what's the plumbing like, you know, if I, if I know that, Hey, we replaced that plumbing there, then we shouldn't have any issue. Right. So, um, great sales, you know, that's a great angle to add value, uh, when you, when you do that. And I'm assuming that's probably a big part of your motivation to want to convert them because you do get to do some of that. Uh, that work and know it's done right well, well it's the fact of control yeah well you yeah. mentioned a good point like one of the ones we had a few of them had finished basements one of them was probably finished within the last 10 years and you know it's always the question you know maybe i can cut my renovation budget down to eighty-five thousand, keep the exterior walls and part of the ceiling and just try to try to save money that way but remember if it's a totally different mindset when you're holding something and now you're accountable to partners and you're holding something long term yeah. you're going to approach that budget a lot differently so i'll put more money into the deal i'll increase the renovation budget but i also know that you know what as as the property managers as the active partners any tenant complaints any problems come down on us so we're renovating that like we're going right down to the studs we're going down to the foundation we're using waterproofing we're using new drywall, new insulation. Everything is up to code, right? Yeah. On the They're top, completely yeah. legal. Secondary we're, we're completely legalizing yes. them, yeah. right? Yeah. Which which people, aesthetically, they look fine, some of them. Yeah. But then behind the walls, they, they weren't. They, they weren't up to code. We've been in bathrooms, yeah. Nobody vented the bathrooms or no yes. vents above the stove. Yeah, yeah, like, why, how, how can you let somebody vented? live like that? Well, Hamilton is littered with illegal units littered uh don't comply with fire code don't comply with municipal municipal bylaws and they also are having a bit of a housing crisis and that there's just way more demand than there is supply so what will happen in hamilton i don't know that's a different conversation but as far as what you own in your portfolio i mean the answer is obvious you want to have stuff that's done right we do and that's been our reputation too i mean we started with new builds we got amazing tenants on board because we offered a quality asset uh, could, could they cash flow a little bit more if we cut corners and did things differently and maybe maybe didn't legalize it? Sure, we could, right? Sure, the numbers, I mean, it would look better if we didn't do that and maybe aesthetically it would look fine. But we also know with the product we have, we want it to be safe for our tenants to live in. Mm-hmm. We want to also protect ourselves from liability. If there's a problem, if there's a fire, you know, it's all up the code. We're, we're, you know, if we're in there with partners, if we're in there with our, our own family's money, we want to make sure that we're, we're protecting that from lawsuit, from liability. And we're giving, I mean, our reputation, we're giving tenants a clean place to stay, a safe, clean place yeah. to stay. So we're now attracting a better caliber, a better profile of tenant we're finding. They're paying and they're taking care of these properties and having pride. And that reduces the burden on us because we don't get the same amount of complaints about things not working. And the tenants, they're taking pride in it. Like it's their house. Like they're, it's beautiful the way they There's keep There's not them. as much wear and tear. It on isn't, the right? They're, they're, they're going out of the way to take care of them. And that helps us in in so many ways. So Yeah, and that's um, that's the way I've approached. So uh, if you're familiar with, with me a little bit, uh, student rentals, I uh, always wanted it. I wanted something that they're, the, the students would actually like brag to their friends about. You know, because then they'd be willing. They'd come in and they'd they'd uh, uh, they'd tell all their friends. Uh, my friend actually does a similar model. He came on the podcast. He was uh, it was on a couple episodes ago, and he actually had a, a tenant. So he had shown her 
one that she showed he'd shown her it under renovation and then said this is what i'm gonna do showed her another house he's like but this is gonna be way better when she finally saw the finished product she actually was coming to like check it out before she moved in she started crying oh really? <laughs> <laughs> that's how upset, like that's how like happy she was um about what was done and i think as an investor if you can do that not only are you adding value and you know you can feel really good about that uh but like you said you're gonna have such a better relationship with that person because they see like you're not like other landlords like you want to give us a good space like you yeah. know something goes wrong you want to just get it's it fixed so important to us yeah. to have a good relationship with our tenants it does yeah. it's a great professional yeah. relationship and they you know they help us we help them they you know just just to get paid on time just to have those properties yes. taken care of I mean, that's, that's to us, that's, that's how we scale. That's, that's how we're going to grow. It is. It's how you scale, right? It's doing things right. So, uh, to get back to your, uh, to numbers, not to get too sidetracked here. So you had a net investment. So at 80% uh, of the new value of 613, Mm -hmm. you're right around 490,000. I got 490, 400. Mm -hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll say that for approximate numbers. So that leaves your net investment after you refi. So a cash out refinance. Mm -hmm. So this is the burr for anyone who's not familiar with that. Although we, we talk about it all the time on this show. Um, if you want a real crash course, go back to the early episodes. But uh, so the buy, reno, re- rent, refinance, repeat. Mm-hmm. And um, you're in with 52000 which normally that's not enough down payment to get you anything. So that's the key thing. You're recycling the money. What's your cash flow look like on a monthly uh, total cash flow there? So it, it depends. It depends how you look at it. But we're, we're about 550 Okay, so uh, yeah, we're looking at five hundred and fifty for a property like that, after, like adjusted for maintenance. Uh, we, and, yeah. and you know, we adjust for maintenance property for manager property tax. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we have everything yeah. rate in there, right? That we have to calculate for. Okay, so you got that, and then you've got your new mortgage pay down, uh, which in this case is I always like to say three percent. Haven't done these numbers in a while, so I figured you guys have a good case study here. Uh, so three percent pay down on your new mortgage of four hundred and ninety thousand. It's approximate, but maybe about fourteen thousand paid down in a right. year. Yeah, somewhere in that ballpark might be a bit higher. Well, than we're, actually yeah, we're about three point six five, right? That's that's what we're running at right now. Sometimes we'll run our numbers about four to four and a half in case the the, the, the rates do go up. It's always yeah. oh, okay. I mean, so, you can so always you're trust test your interest, numbers a little bit. So we could say your pay down was even a little lower, around ten thousand or nine thousand. Like that's super high. No, because yeah. right now it's you said is what three point three five. Right now on that property, it's three point yeah. six five percent. That's that's our that's our yeah. our mortgage. Okay, your mortgage rate. That's our yeah. Mortgage so rate. I was just saying the three percent is the pay down portion, like how much oh, you're paying. Yes, yes. So that's my shortcut i shouldn't do that so anyone listening if you want to know the exact number uh you can just go online and find a mortgage calculator an amortization schedule and it'll show you exactly how much you pay down inside of a year so that's part of your return right because you're making payments to the bank but this is your money you're paying off your your loan um so you got pay down and then appreciation hamilton's been crazy but i never like to bank on it continuing to be crazy so even if we said three percent yeah that's usually we run yeah um what would we see here? So your value at the date of refi was six thirteen. So over the course of the year, you've got cash flow, which works out to be about sixty six hundred bucks. Uh, you've got pay down, and I just said at two percent pay down, right? Uh, so approximate that's ninety eight hundred, so approximately ten thousand. Um, and then appreciation at three percent works out to be about eighteen thousand dollars a year, an increase. So your total return here is equal to thirty four thousand dollars a year. On something that you're invested in for fifty-two thousand, mm-hmm. so that's a pretty high rate of return. I think we're going to find that somewhere around sixty percent. And let's just see here. Yeah, sixty-six percent. Yeah, that's approximately your numbers as well. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, and that that's fairly conservative, but that's so the whole idea is is that because we're forcing appreciation, yeah, and we're refinancing it at a higher value, it allows you to keep a smaller amount, proportionally smaller amount of money into that property versus just going out and buying it at six hundred thirteen thousand, and then I have to park so much more money into that that my returns are going to be that much lower, and I'm not going to be able to scale and recycle the same amount of capital right. that much faster. Putting 20% down, you are not getting 66% return on investment buying something right off the market. In most cases, unless you find a realtor that made a mistake, I'm not saying you can't, but it's a very uncommon thing to find. Uh, so that's the, that's the big difference. Yeah, because what would 20% on 613? Like if, say you wanted to buy another investor's flip to just make this really easy. Uh, if you wanted to do that, if you if you had to put down- Just over 120,000. Yeah, 122,600 plus land transfer cost, plus legal fees. I mean, you're over $130,000 to close that. For most people, saving up $130,000, depending on where they live, might take them a while. I think that the turnkey product, remember, anytime you buy turnkey, you're you're buying something that somebody's necessarily flipping or exiting. You don't know what's behind those walls. Yeah. And you're parking. I mean, it's okay if, if you have a lot of money and you want to diversify and park money into real estate. But that's what we found with new builds because the prices got so expensive. We weren't able to recycle that that capital and we weren't able to take all that money out as much as we could and redeploy that into another project. So it's going to limit your growth. Yeah. If you want to, if you want to keep growing, you got to keep recycling the money. Now in this case, um, the one sadness in my heart is, is that there's still $52,000 in there. Um, <laughs> but I guess that's your investor's money at that point. Um, so you're still not capped. You can still continue to grow. We can yeah. still continue to grow. And we have a payment plan where, I mean, on our joint venture and agreements, it's, it's, right it, yeah, it's, it's five years. But remember, in just like Milton, Hamilton's somewhat of a reflection years, of, yeah. of Milton. Milton, the prices have gone up and Hamilton has very similar fundamentals where the rents, I mean, from our patterns, what we've seen is that the rents are going up far beyond inflation because of the very, very low vacancy. Mm-hmm. Housing prices are, are, are going up. They're very healthy too. And with the low interest rates, it's like we discussed, we're, we're paying down our mortgage quickly. So in Milton, we've, we've done it in as little as two years. We've pulled all, all the capital yeah. out, but we use five years as a conservative right. approach. Again, banking on fundamentals rather than on uh, what it, what's been happening. Yeah, right? We can always it. hope what's been happening will keep happening, but you don't know. No, you don't Hope know. and a wish and a prayer is not a good no, model for your business. And it, it's not something, it, it's not, hey, let's get rich and you know make that money overnight and cash it out and just keep scaling it indefinitely no i mean you have to be realistic when it comes to this too Mm -hmm. if you do have the advantage of pulling it out faster and and recycling it that's that's just gravy right it's it's a long-term game when you when you invest in this type of model absolutely i I couldn't agree more so what do you see as being next for for you two we're you know what i i love this as as difficult as as the conversion project was over the last year it 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 was difficult to start but it became you know what once we built up the uh the teams and and the systems. our reputation and the systems jen was amazing at at, at helping and, and growing the back office systems we were able to remove ourselves a lot more from the day in and day out and inspecting the property and running the crews with boots on the ground we're now able to communicate a lot better with the trades that we've that we've formed relationships with and spend less time in the business and more time growing the business and working on bigger and greater things. One of the things that I loved is that now we've got this machine working where it doesn't like the construction, the conversion we did doesn't necessarily have to com- apply to a, a legal secondary suite conversion, a bungalow converting it into a duplex. Mm-hmm. We can now take that. We're confident enough with what we have where we can now take that and apply that to multifamily because it's the same process. The financing is a little bit different. Maybe the building looks different, but we're still 
getting into something, we're putting cash in, we're renovating units, we're, we're, we're building them up, we're getting the rent values up, we're, we're creating value in the property, and then we're refinancing that down the road at a higher price and basically doing the Burr model on, on a bigger scale. Yes. And that's what we're looking at doing too with some of the relationships we've built with investors and some of the people that want to partner with us. We like the model of the duplex conversion just because of the ability to access capital mm -hmm. and the liquidity of it. But we're also looking at bigger and better projects, more multifamily. We're like five, five yeah. plus yeah. units. Well, kind if you're of like five, two five units plus. good, 12 is even better. 12 is good. 20 is even better than that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that, that, that's there? just a natural progression yeah. of what we've already been doing. It's not like, oh, hey, this makes sense. You know, but you can't jump. Flow. You can't go no. from like a single family new build townhouse to like owning a 22 unit building. Yeah, we, we, like, we took steps. Have, yeah. You have to pay your dues. You have to. We, we did. We, we got our hands dirty. We dealt with different types of uh, tenant demographics. We, we dealt with different things. We learned along the way. And now it's like, hey, you know what? Let's part of what we like. I love to grow. Uh it's like we said with our job, part of me wants to grow and wants to see what, what I'm capable of doing and wants to yeah. see kind of what we can. And, and that's the entrepreneurial spirit in me calling and, and pulling me to do bigger and better things, but be realistic too. Like, let's not overscale ourselves. Let's, let's make sure we, we never lose money. We want to do it properly and realistically. We don't have this goal where we buy hundreds of properties in a short period of time. And all of a sudden we're putting our family and any partners at risk. We want to be realistic about this, yeah. but we still want to grow and evolve and, and tackle bigger projects. There's a natural progression because if you, if you do scale too fast and you don't know the lessons you haven't learned, you know, there's lessons to be learned at each stage. And if you go from, you know, stage one, all the way to stage 10 and didn't learn all the lessons of all the way in between, um, you know, I, I think to like my issues with property management, my issues with contractors, if I had bought too many more properties in that time, uh, you know, I already had a lot of stress that would have just put it right over the we top. We keep saying that to each other. We're always like, wouldn't you rather learn on like one or two units, this yeah. issue or learn on 12? And I'm like, mm, <laughs> yeah. I'll take the one. Thank you very much. We, we were really better. challenged yeah. at points since we, we yeah. put a lot of time into it. And, you know, looking back, there was a lot of effort put into it. I, it's difficult when people approach us and say, you know what, I want to do this for the first time and never, and who have never owned investment property before, have never gone through the whole process and all the different stages and aspects of the business. It can be very, very overwhelming to approach this. And all of a sudden you're like, where's, where do I get the deals? Where's the contractors? What's my ARV? How do I run the numbers? What are my rent values? How do I finance this? It yeah. can get overwhelming. Uh, and it's a lot more hands-on than they think. It, it they is. Think they it is hire very, the very trades and see the property yeah. in six months. Be like, it's done. It, it, that wasn't the case. No, I mean, if you don't understand don't the scope people. of work and what's going on and yeah. I mean, you don't have to be a construction expert. I mean, you can learn that, but you really do have to have a knowledge of what's going on because you want things, I mean, you want things to stick within a timeline and you want to stay on budget and you want things to be proper on the way. You do have to keep an eye on it. Yeah. That's not so much, it, it changes as you grow with your team and you know how to communicate. You don't have to be there as much as we're in the beginning and right. we can remove ourselves a lot, but it is very, very time consuming and stressful, especially for us when we, when we started because okay. we didn't have everything in place yet. Correct me if I'm wrong, but are you... Are you general contracting it yourself then? So you are not hiring a general contractor, you're hiring subtrades. We we did no, we did hire a general contractor. Okay. Because when we did this, we didn't it's like you said, it, it is very time consuming for a contractor. So we did hire a general contractor. Some trades, I mean, he had a, a general scope of work that we gave him. Some of the trades we brought in a few of our own trades. Okay. The whole idea behind that was because remember, I'm experienced with new construction, that was my background. Yeah. doing conversions, doing legal, legal secondary suite conversions and, and trying to build on an existing structure is a totally, totally different ball game. Yeah. And it wasn't something I was really prepared for. So I did bring in an expert who did do renovations 
And that was able to open up enough of my time where we could go out and find new deals and look at new properties. And I wasn't so much consumed in the everyday, everyday yeah. work. Yeah. Our, our, in the big picture, my goal is is to not so much be the general contractor, but maybe hire, hire not even a site super, but a project manager who can sort of be reflective and duplicate myself where now I can transfer my skills, my knowledge onto him or her, and they can go out in the field and now they're, they're doing it. So now we have an in-house person that we can go to. So we're building up more and more relationships where I'm not relying on any one person where now we can have more control over the whole building process and the pricing and everything else that, that comes together with it. So we are looking at doing that. And that's one of the things we've done forming relationships is forming an in-house team to be able to tackle bigger and better and, and, and scale more projects. Yeah, so it's scalability at the end and of the day because Mike is kind of overseeing the general contractor and it's easier to oversee one person than it is an entire trade team. So for him, he's literally training the general contractor. Yeah. So we call him like, it could be like a mini Michael Richter yeah. and he's doing at least five of these conversions and then to train another little like a, a project mm -hmm. manager to do another five this way we're duplicating ourselves so it kind of allows us to remove ourselves like mike was saying where we only have to oversee the management that's it and then the day-to-day -day, yeah. we don't need to worry about yeah you want to eventually you, you have to eliminate yourself from the day-to-day the -day tasks which is hard because everybody's like i can do drywalling i can clean the house yeah. i can do my own stuff and we kind of fell into the trap of that a little bit in the beginning because mike is in construction so he's like i can run the ductwork for every house yeah and then we kind of realize just because you can mm -hmm. does not mean you should yeah. be work because then you just fall back into that old habit of you're working in the business instead well, of on the well, business and it's a slippery slope to go back to and but I'm surprised with your background, Mike, that you didn't you didn't want to GC it yourself because you know a lot about construction and, and renovation is lower scale than construction to a lot of degrees. Nothing you wouldn't pick up on quite quickly. Um, so this is the this is the challenge I've had. And you guys can, you know, give me your philosophy on this. But I, you know, I like control as well. And all the getting burned I had happened to me like in the early 2010s. Um, made me want to take extreme control of my process. Mm -hmm. So I had property management and then I in-housed it. And then I never actually used a general contractor on anything. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I started with being my own, built relationships. And then it was literally just a matter of signing checks or in my case, doing the direct deposit uh, send and making sure. So I, they all love me because I deposited cash directly to their accounts. Mm -hmm. yep. um, so I made really good relationships by being good to them. Uh, it is a pain. But I think the repeat business aspect of it, they see, okay, this guy is worth showing up for. He pays quick and he does repeat business. Um, I don't think there's a perfect solution because if I hired a GC, I know I could grow a lot more. But the way I get things done, the way I want, and I think I do it a lot cheaper than I would otherwise. Uh, but then again, I don't have anything to compare it to. But our GC is also one of the trades. Like he's the, he's the carpenter. So oh, he's, so he's the carpenter, but he handles everybody else. Exactly. So it's not like we're bringing in a, an external source just to do the management no he's the he's the con carpenter right yeah he was yeah he, he's the carpenter behind i don't know we go hang out with the trades not gonna lie <laughs> but hire yeah hiring i just hiring yelled him. them for receipts and please put the address on the damn receipt <laughs> and remember in, in the beginning he had never done a legal secondary suite conversion but yeah. he's also somebody i had a relationship with mm -hmm. so we were able to grow together so the first one there was you know i said instead of 100 questions in the first one now in the last one there's maybe 15 questions mm -hmm. because there's a level of understanding when it comes to working with the city and working with inspectors and working with architects and engineers we we, we know how to communicate and he knows what my expectations are and I know what his expectations are too. And when it comes to, you know, cash payouts and, and trades that, that I bring onto the site, 
it's, it's like you said, they, they all know that they're going to get paid. So he can favor me and get my stuff done cleaner and faster because he knows that there's a check waiting for him to pay his sub trades. The same with the trades I bring on too. They know that it's going to be a payday as soon as that work is done. Mm-hmm. So just forming that relationship and communication of trust where, you know, I could bring out an external source and he could also bring one of his trades. There'd be that, that trust that the job would get done when they said it would. And then he could bring in his crews and there's no time lost in between. So we're able to really collapse timeframes based on what we've learned about each other on the fourth project. It's so incredibly valuable to find that person that just clicks with what you do. They get it. I used to have a carpenter that would run my sites for me. Uh, I I eventually made him an employee and, uh, you know, he was keen with that. And so he was my site super, my carpenter building my additions. And, uh, oh man, it it was, it it was an incredible opportunity for it for a time. So, and that's the thing is because now Mike has freed himself up. So he's not on the sites all the time. He doesn't have to do that role. So now he's able to fill roles that nobody could do. Like we're, trying to do a huge off-market campaign right now and you can't hire that out Mm -hmm. like that is solely on us so now he has a lot more free time i have more free time to kind of attack this process well you have you have to do everything once i mean you know now i understand the conversion projects it's like let's let's move on to more entrepreneurial things bigger and greater things that'll benefit now the general contractor and everybody else we all benefit if we're growing if i'm the mistake a lot of us make when we start is that I've seen a lot of investors have approached us and I'm like, those numbers don't quite add up for what your goals are. Yeah. They say, well, I'm going to, you know, I'll work Saturdays and Sundays in the project. Well, yeah. all of a sudden now you're, if you're not paying yourself, you're, you're kind of, it's counterintuitive to what we're trying to buy. And that's freedom through real estate. Yeah. And I find, you know what, embed those line items into the deal. Like it's so easy to pick up a hammer and say, you know, what, I can save money on doing these little things versus hiring a handyman. But once, once you understand that mind from behind that, you can go out and do bigger and greater things. And the mistake I made is instead of embedding those 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 small jobs into the line items in the beginning, I just try to tackle them myself because I knew how to do them. But that doesn't mean that you're better or more efficient or more effective at doing them. You're your own worst enemy there. You, See, you I'm, are. I'm good at doing like video editing. Need to fire myself from that. Mm-hmm. I'm good at doing bookkeeping. Mm-hmm. I will always have a hand on that because I, I'm just a numbers guy and I need to know where my numbers are at. Mm-hmm. But I don't need to be the person entering every receipt. Um, but I nerd out over having perfect books now, like yeah. <laughs> using QuickBooks Online, say, seeing the reports. All the spreadsheets. You're like, it's beautiful. Why does nobody appreciate mm-hmm. it? <laughs> yeah. So, so just just a, when things work, I love it. But I can be my own worst enemy. And if you know how to hang drywall, or tape drywall, or mm-hmm. do HVAC, you'll feel tempted. For me, never good at any of that stuff. I was slow, terrible, yeah. didn't want to do it. And and you know what? I felt like I'm like, whoa, there's opportunities that are escaping me because I'm here mm-hmm. right now. So yeah, you kind of, there's two sides to it. And uh, yeah, I think you will need to fire yourself completely. I know you're, you're I'm all pretty over much that. there. I will fire you. Honey. Yeah. And that's, that's, just, that. that's just the mindset. You know, it's hard to give up yeah. control. I, I know I can do things much better than other people too. But then again, when I did re- release a bit of control over certain aspects, I'm like, these guys can do it a lot cheaper, a lot faster, yeah. a lot better than I thought I Sometimes, could. Sometimes, right? Right? Like here I, yeah, here I am. I'm, we're out, you know, actually closing deals and, and looking for more deals and developing relationships. That's a lot harder to delegate. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just before we jump into like any last kind of gold nuggets, thoughts that you have, um, if our viewers and listeners would like to contact you both or one of you, um, tell them where they can find you. So we, our email address is double E. So there definitely are two E's beside each other. Properties at gmail.com 
Our website is doubleeproperties.ca. We're on Instagram a lot. We're always trying to post uh, the new projects we're doing, new uh, renos, tips, anything around lifestyle, kind of things that uh, we feel investors kind of need to know. Um, Also, we are on Facebook, and Michael has a YouTube channel, actually. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what I'll do is I'll get you to send me all those links, and I'll post them in the show notes so there's no no discrepancy. So when you say double E, you mean literally E and then E again. Yep. So guess what our kids' names are? (laughs) I'll give you a hint. They both begin with E. (laughs) Ah, So when we say double E, yeah, properties. Well, you got your Y right in the company name. Literally, yep. That's perfect. It was our working title and stuck. Yeah, so so just to clarify the context of that company, that's where probably the joint ventures happen and you hold some properties in that company as well? Yes. We do okay. corporate financing yeah. under that under that company now. Okay, yeah, so you're you're taking the next step in the uh, in the journey. Yeah, part of the part of the strategy. Yeah, it's growing and uh financing properties and that's what we've done. Okay, so we've talked about a lot. Um I know you had some gold nuggets you thought you would like to share and is there anything else that we haven't covered that you would like to leave our our uh, viewers and listeners with? I think a lot of it too. I mean, we often we we often talk about how we want to scale and grow and and buy and acquire properties and 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 force value and appreciation. But what I realized over the last year is that if you don't have the back office systems in place, you're going to cause yourself a lot of time. Like it's like you mentioned, Andrew. You want to see where all your numbers are going. You need to have your finger on the pulse of where all your money's going, what your budgets are, money coming in, money going out. And Jen has just been incredible to help create these systems and we had them in place but we had to revise them we had to get them up to speed we had to modify them and that's so 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 important because when you're working with other investors when you're when you're working with larger projects where there's all kinds of different you know expenses going out you have dual incomes coming in you're splitting up utilities you it's so easy to fall behind and and if you don't have your finger on the pulse of that you have to always know where the money's going so i'd say the back office is is equally as important as the growth of the business oh yeah you got to know your numbers. You, you, you do. You really do. And that's something we've really tightened up on over the last year. Know your, know your daily burn rate. I, I don't know if, you're, if you know what I'm speaking about, but on a project when, I'm, when it's under renovation, I, I calculate what does it cost for one day of carrying this property? Sure. And I'll tell the trades that. Like, guys, mm-hmm. every single day that passes costs $400 on this property. Yep. This cannot wait. They only think it's one yeah. or two weeks late. They're like, that's okay. That's normal in the business. I'm like, yeah, but I can tell exactly to the dollar how much how those much two you weeks just is going to. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Know, know your matrix, know your, yeah. know your numbers, yeah. right? Yeah. That really, I, that was really impactful with employees and stuff. Like, guys, you want me to keep doing deals? Mm-hmm. You need to understand when you don't get stuff done, how much it costs, mm-hmm. you know, especially with borrowing private money, expensive money. And the money. trades want repeat business at the right. end of the day. Like, we're easy to work with now. It's not like we're an end home user who spends hours and hours picking out finishings and then changes their mind and they have to go and take a bulkhead out and then move it mm. around. So we're very easy to work with and the trades recognize that. And like you're saying, the simple act of paying them as soon as they finish the job, yeah. trades want to work with us. So at the end of the day, it's a give and take and yeah. relationship. And one of the other things that I wanted to mention too is, is in regards to financing. When it came to financing for us, when we we're doing it just primarily under our own personal names, you know, we hit limitations and we're constantly getting rejected from banks. You know, we had a certain capacity. Now that we have our corporation in place, we're, we're purchasing properties under a corporation. We have we have a multi-tiered corporation structure set up. But we, you know, we spent money on, on having a business lawyer craft that together. We spent money on having, you know, a business slash real estate accountant put that together on his end. So now it's not just about growing cash flow. We talk about cash flow and appreciation. We're growing a legacy within that corporation. And we're going to have our daughters as shareholders. So it's it's the bigger 
picture that we're looking at. And now that we're now qualifying under the corporation, we can go into credit unions that don't necessarily, they're not under the, the federal guidelines. So they're, they don't necessarily use the same stress test. They're under provincial regulations. So they have a totally different qualifying structure when it comes to qualifying us to qualify for more properties. And with this whole conversion project that we're doing with now two incomes, they also know that our risk has been mitigated because there's two incomes coming in. So they're more willing to qualify us based on, based on our whole structure. So sometimes what I'm trying to say is don't always stick with the conventional route and go to your corner bank that I did when I was younger that my parents used to go to. Sometimes you have to be really creative and it's more advanced. But if you look into the corporate structure and you look at alternate lenders, yes, my interest rate might be a little bit more than, than a, a big bank because they don't have the same, the same profit structure, but we're able to borrow money that we wouldn't necessarily be able to borrow yeah. before if we didn't think a little bit creatively and form those relationships with, with credit unions. So that allows us to grow even further. Huge gold nugget right there. Yeah, the, the key thing is no doesn't mean no necessarily. No. You need to get around investors that are are doing it and getting it done. This is why I always say, clearly somebody else is getting it done. There's clearly people with 100 properties. Mm-hmm. They clearly did it somehow, find out what they did. And and you guys are telling the story. You're you're at that point where you're, you're taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. And you're realizing, okay, the conventional path is sort of tapped out, but there's so many other options. And you might pay a bit more. And the further, the more serious you are as a real estate investor, the later the question of how, what's the interest rate. <laughs> that's, that's what I've noticed. The more serious, like when in the mortgage business, when I would hear the first question out of somebody's mouth be interest rate, I understood that they didn't, they weren't either serious real estate investors or this is going to be their first property. But later on, it's like, okay, I'm getting a little tapped out. Can, you know, what can you do for yeah. me? And it's not even a question about it's interest that old, rate. Like, it's not, no, it's how. Like we never take no ever. We just figure out, okay, well, how are we going to get around it? How are we still going to do it? My focus now when I'm talking to a lender is how can, how can I bring them value? How can I bring them a a quality product to the table that they're, they're now winning on that they can now fund securely and safely. And that in exchange, they'll, they'll forward us financing. That's how we look at that now. So I can speak to a lender and really build a relationship. And a lot of it I find is built on rapport. Like they're qualifying us. But they're also looking at, you know, they're, they're Googling us, they're looking at what we're doing, they're looking at our track record, and we're building up rapport, we're building up a relationship mm-hmm. that that gives us credibility to, to move forward. So, you know, we might we might talk about this for an hour, and then maybe the last thing is, well, what's, can you email me your different interest rates, right? And they know that they're going to be competitive because we know yeah. our markets and what that is too. But that's kind of more of, of the conversation we're having now. We're looking at the bigger picture and not just, not just pricing mm-hmm. alone. Right. Yeah. Of course, you need to know your ballpark uh, interest rate because you need to make your numbers work. But, you know, if it's a quarter point different, big deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's that's just something you uh, when you get serious, you you don't worry about the quarter point anymore. Uh, You worry about getting a deal done. Yeah, we're focused on the big picture, the journey, what what we're creating, the overall picture and how can we grow our portfolio. Right. And create create that. So after 10 o'clock, when you're not allowed to talk about real estate anymore, <laughs> what, uh, what are you guys uh, focused on uh, hobbies wise outside of the real estate, uh, real estate world? Travel. We absolutely love to travel. We try to go to Europe once or twice a year. Um, we usually try to go for about a month at a time. I kind of feel like I've always traveled my entire life. And I find sometimes when you're going to another country only for a week, out of those seven days, two of those are getting there 
yeah. coming home. And I find staying in a culture for an entire week or a month, you really experience that culture. Yeah. Whether it's the food, it's the people. Obviously, yes, you do want to see touristy things, but then you have a chance to kind of get off that beaten track and spend time um, with other like we've had some amazing experiences. I think we have random lunches with locals who turned mm-hmm. out to be the local head mafia guy. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, good, I'm glad we're friends now. Um, you just have some really different experiences. And we actually bring our kids on all of the trips. So they've been traveling since they were five months old. They go on every trip. They're fabulous on airplanes. They're getting exposed to things that um, I guess the average person even, not even kid, would kind of get exposed to, which is great because now they have a great appreciation for different food. They eat everything under the sun. Um, they have a good appreciation for different cultures, language, uh, art, things like that, going actually to be able to touch things, see things, roll around on them, whatever kids need to do. They're absorbing it a lot better. So we plan a lot of trips, a lot of trips. It's always like, okay, what's our next trip? What's our next trip? Yeah, that's my wife's very much like that. Always planning the next trip. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Then and then for me on a weekly basis, I do Toastmasters. So I love I love speaking. I oh, like to educate cool. people, and that's I think public speaking is is it's powerful for anybody in business, anybody who wants to share, uh, present to people. I, I've been working on that to, to be able to communicate better, and that's he's that's communicated so better. That what are you doing tonight? <laughs> I have a speaking competition. Yeah, <laughs> he international, won. So he won I'm, for Milton. I, well, Congratulations. I want to know you. So now it's. He's representing Milton tonight. Now he not it's the only, area competition. Yeah, so. But you won the speech competition and the evaluation, the evaluation competition. competition. He swept it. I am going to be watching so keenly the next time you speak on stage. <laughs> uh, I, I'm actually a, a very big fan of public speaking as well. I, I used to teach at Western and it kind of. It just grew into it. And uh, I do the I do the talks, mortgage investing talks for pro funds. I'm actually speaking at the right club on. Uh, Probably by the time this comes out, it'll have already happened, but on the uh, the February uh, meeting. Oh, no nice. way. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll look forward to, to seeing you guys there. And I really appreciate you coming over. It was great catching up. And uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty more to uh, to pick each other's brains about after this. So, uh, we'll wrap it up here for now. But uh, I'll look forward to uh, to staying tuned on your progress. Thank you, Andrew. It's It's been great. It's been a pleasure having us. Thank yeah, you. Thanks for having us today. Thanks for watching today's episode. Just a friendly reminder to please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you smash the like and subscribe and notification bell. Uh, And also leave a comment. And hey, while you're at it, why not share this episode with somebody you think it could help? It helps this podcast grow and I would really appreciate it. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode. (laughs) 